This week on the Pop Optic Walking Dead podcast, we're talking about Season 6, Episode 6, Always Accountable, written by Heather Belson and directed by Jeffrey F. January. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Pop Optic Walking Dead podcast. This is Kate Kulzik, TV editor of popoptic.com. And once again, as is only right, I am joined by editor-in-chief, co-founder, all-around uh, awesome dude from Pop Optic, Mr. Ricky D. Ricky, welcome back. It is not the Pop Optic Walking Dead podcast without you. Hey, Kate. Um, you know what? I'm kind of glad I took last week off because if there's one episode I should have missed, it was last week. But that said, um, I think I could have used two weeks off because I'm not a big fan of tonight's episode, but we'll get to it. Ah, we will get to it. Well, and joining us to, to break down this episode of The Walking Dead, uh, returning to the podcast from the TV section, the managing editor for TV, Mr. Depayan Sengupto. Depayan, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. I hope this isn't just an excuse to steal my crossbow again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are only so many sporting goods stores, right? I feel like there, I both feel like there should be lots of crossbow availability and no crossbow availability, but like nothing in between. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I feel like there should be, there should be a lot of people wielding crossbows, but only very few who can actually uh, manage to shoot anything uh, with them with any kind of proper aim. But nope, we just get the one crossbow. Just lots of bolts and like the sides of barns, you know, <laughs> with with a dead person beside it because they missed the walker ten times. Yes, that would actually be pretty awesome. Yeah, and that is exactly the kind of humor that The Walking Dead abhors. <laughs> we get a little bit here and there. Um, there was a there was a funny moment in this episode, though I don't think they intended it to be so. Uh, to lead into this episode now, uh, from what you said, Ricky, I think I'm gonna be. The op- the pos- uh, positive one this week, I think I liked it more than you did. But before we get into this week's episode, uh, once again, for a few more weeks here, uh, Ricky, what do we have going on at Pop Up Dick that we want to make sure to mention? Uh, we do have a fundraiser for the website. So um, if you do like our podcast and our website and you want to support us, uh, feel free to reach out. Also, as we say at the top of the podcast, when I remember to have us say it, um, <laughs> there will be no spoilers on this episode for The Walking Dead outside of we're talking about this full episode. So full spoilers for this episode, but nothing uh, for what's yet to come, which may get a little tricky here because there's some very teasy kind of characters. I would be very surprised if the trio of people that we meet in this episode and the people they're running from is not a big part of the next half of the season or the next season after that, but... Involving possibly a Winchester? Very possibly a Winchester, a rifle, some other types of of things, um, a rakish smile, possibly. But we're going to leave it there uh, (laughs) and say, I have not read the comics. Ricky has read almost all of the comics. Uh, Depayan, what's your relationship with the comics? Uh, I read the Wikipedia summary of them a long time ago. Um, long enough ago that uh, there, there is a certain upcoming character that I know how he makes his introduction in the comics, but outside of that, uh, nothing. 
Okay. Um, well, let's dive in with this episode then. And uh, Depayan, we know where uh, Ricky and I stand, at least vaguely. How'd you feel about this episode? I actually did enjoy it a fair amount. Um, although uh, the uh, the about turns got a little tiring down near the end. Uh, but overall, I, I did enjoy it, um, possibly because of the tighter focus. Uh, but sort of that being said, there, there is there does seem to be this little strain of pessimism running through this entire season um, that was very prevalent in this episode as well that does seem to be starting to wear me down um, in the sense that, uh, you know, don't trust the walkers, don't trust the humans, just literally anyone, uh, anyone, any of the characters start to trust at any point during this season just turn out to, uh, you know, just turn out to basically... Um, be their downfall one way or another, uh, which was very prevalent in this episode as well, which sort of uh, dinged it a little bit down near the end. Uh, but overall, I, I did I did enjoy it a fair bit. And as I said, I did I enjoyed this episode, uh, but, but that the thread. I mean, we talked about a little bit about the humor of The Walking Dead, or maybe the lack thereof sometimes. But for me, um, it was almost just funny. By the time Daryl is getting, you know, hit upside the head and have his bike stolen, everything at the end of the episode, uh, yeah, it was it was just kind of funny. Daryl's got the worst luck, Ricky. With like, has he ever run across a good person on his own? Aaron was a good person, but he found them. I mean, I guess it depends on how you define good person. I guess there are some good people left. I in mean, this world, but Morgan found uh, found his good person. I don't know. People are people, and I think people suck regardless. <laughs> that's, my, that's, that's a cheery approach. <laughs> well, what um, what stood about this out about this episode for you, Ricky? Why why did it not speak to you as much? Oh, I thought this episode was incredibly boring. I'm I did not like this episode at all. I mean, I've talked in the past about how I love how The Walking Dead has this structure at times, and where in which specific episodes follow like a group of people, like one or two characters for the entire running time and or the majority of the running time. And I think some of the best episodes have followed this structure and it's proven to work well. But I just thought this episode was kind of like really boring. Um, I think also the biggest problem with this episode, apart from you just finding it boring, that's just an opinion. But in terms of like, I think uh, a problem that I think it's having uh, on most people um, is this whole Glenn situation. Look, like the bottom line is, you end with a cliffhanger. Is Glenn dead? Is Glenn not dead? There's, we've talked about how this is problematic because, of, for example, of a show like The Talking Dead and how um, there's been pictures floating around on the internet and rumors and whatnot. But the problem is, it's like, I, I don't know if they're just trolling fans at this point. You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference between teasing or uh, having like somewhat of an interesting mystery incorporated into your television show. But it's just kind of like annoying at this point in time because even that episode that we had two weeks ago which focused specifically on morgan like that was a fantastic episode right i think we could all agree that was an amazing episode and yet a lot of people were complaining about that episode because they just wanted to know what was going on with glenn i think that's kind of like a shame you know what i mean but it's also the showrunners and the writers who are to blame for this because they made this decision to keep this like a mystery and I think it's I think it's just problematic overall for 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 the show for viewers, and and the reason why I bring this up is because the episode ends with someone calling for help over the walkie-talkie, which I personally do not think is Glenn, but it's just more of the writers trolling the audience, and so I thought that was kind of annoying. Um, 
I just didn't really care for this episode. I mean, this episode is basically designed to introduce a new character, a new group of characters, and a, and a new villain, which I don't think is a big secret because it's been all over the internet and they've already announced who, to, who, who they've cast. I'll leave it at that. Um, and so that's what this episode is basically about. But it doesn't really do anything for the actual season and for the story that they've been trying to tell this season because the whole entire season takes place over the course of a day or two. And I just thought it was, like I said, boring. So I didn't, I'm not a fan of this one. I liked what we got um, with Daryl just to get more time with him. And, uh, you know, this, I love this, you know, it's part of what makes him such a fan favorite character, but this element of his personality where even after these people have hurt him because basically he knows he's much stronger and more capable than they are. Um, he's still willing to recruit them for Alexandria and, uh, you know, and the way that that does turn around and maybe he's not as good a judge of character as he, he is thought that he is. I like that th- there's a little bit there. Mostly the trouble with that is I, I have some issues with how that uh, is executed with the way that uh, the, the one of the three gets killed and everything that's very convenient. But, um, I, you know, it, it does feel very repetitive because at the end, nothing has, he hasn't, he's gotten the truck, I guess that's something, but it is like, why did we spend this time here? And the answer is because we think we're introducing new characters for eventually, you know, down the line, we're teasing new things and they shouldn't, I mean, I don't need more teases from the show. If we're going to spend that much time, it should illuminate something new. Like Daryl should change his opinion about recruiting people or like he should come out of that situation changed, not just having found a truck. At least that's, that's what I think. Um, But I did like what we got with Abraham and Sasha a lot more because I really liked their conversation about choice and about accountability. And um, I know that this, really straightforward topics and not the most enlightening new idea maybe out there. But um, I like that they gave that awareness to Sasha that they showed kind of where she's at. I like that we did finally get um, a look into Abraham, even if maybe it's not as um, earth shaking as maybe one would like, but I do really like Cudlitz and just pretty much anything, but certainly in this role. And, and I think he, he does well with scenes that shouldn't necessarily work. Like the scene with him going after the, the, the walker on the pole doesn't really work for me, but I really uh, connected with a lot more because of the performance. And again, I just like that they are exploring Sasha more and letting her continue to grow. So I connected more with the scenes with Abraham and, and Sasha than it sounds like you did Rick. And I certainly um, just was glad to have any time with Daryl. So maybe I'm setting the bar low. You know, I think maybe it's because I've also read the comic book and I think this episode does a lot more for people who've read the comic book and it can go two ways. It can be negative or positive because this is not a spoiler, but I'm going to give you a small example. There's a character in a book who's known for using a crossbow and it's not Daryl. So I don't know because I'm not a show writer on The Walking Dead, but I'm assuming that the reason why Daryl loses his crossbow is because the crossbow has to end up in the hands of this character if they are going to introduce this character. You know what I mean? So that's what I mean about it setting up things in motion, uh, but it's not really doing anything for the now. It's, it's like concerned about the future. Like we still haven't seen any sort of discussion between Rick and anyone at Al- Alexandria about what exactly happened, like the events that unfolded. Uh, it was nice that we had some time to spend with Maggie last week, considering that nobody yet knows if Glenn is dead or not. 
But I think I think my biggest problem with the episode is just the fact that I'm just kind of like a little annoyed about how they are handling the Glenn situation. Like, it, I just find it ponderous and annoying, and um, I just want it over with and answered so we can move on. I, I, I honestly do not care whose voice is at the end of the episode because that's not an interesting cliffhanger to me. So the voice says, because I, I wrote down in my notes here, my uh, my DVR cut off like right when we heard that and I hmm. didn't know what it's they said help or what was it I think so I, I think I had the same problem as you so I PVR the walking dead and I PVR talking dead which usually comes after the walking dead but this week they had into the badlands so it cut off mm-hmm. you know what I mean so uh I was speaking to a friend of mine and he said he said that the voice on the walkie-talkie basically just said help and the episode ends okay yeah I had written down don't but I that doesn't sound anything like help. Uh, can, can you help us out to find what it were you able to discern the end of the episode? Uh, no, not particularly, not, not any more than either of you. It's just sort of, uh, you know, it's just sort of a, for me, it was more of a disembodied voice on the walkie and uh, I'll be perfectly honest. I didn't realize it was help or don't. I, I just thought it was Daryl talking to the walkie to um, try to get in touch with Rick. So Fair enough. It is. It is only now talking to both of you that I'm realizing that uh, there may have been something more to the walkie. So mm-hmm. I am. I am even more out of the loop. So nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's that's the moral of this. Depayan, how are you feeling about the Glenn situation? Is it like is it hanging over these episodes for you as much as it is for Ricky? Uh, not particularly. I figure you know we'll find out about Glenn when we fly and find out about Glenn. It's. Uh, for for me, it's just sort of a thing that happened. It's uh, I'm I'm about ninety percent sure of the fate of the character, given um, a lot of clues that have been dropped already. Um, uh, so I'm not really concerned. I figure we'll find out his fate when we find out his fate. It's uh, it feels like the writers are trying to use uh, the fate of the character to uh, keep the audience invested in the show. And I'm I would part of me is I would say they are. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so you know, part of me is just actively rebelling against that kind of pandering. Uh, but, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not really concerned about what happens to Glenn. If, if, if Glenn's dead, he's dead. If he's alive, he's alive. Um, it's, it's sort of all the same to me at this point. I'd much rather um, see how everyone else reacts to the immediate circumstances. And then um, I figure the show is going to spend plenty of time on um, this, this state of Glenn's character down the line. So I'll, I'll, I'm okay with waiting for that. Let's talk a bit about. Um, do you guys want to do Daryl or first? Or do you want to do Sasha and Abraham? I actually want to do Rosita first. Yeah, right. <laughs> WTF, like, man. Well, like the the problem with this episode. I mean, the problem with this episode. My problems with this episode is it reminds me that Rosita has been underused to the point where this poor woman has had has had very little screen time this season. I can't remember the last time I even heard her speak. From what I remember, her and Abraham were sort of like an item. And now all of a sudden, Abraham is interested in Sasha. And in all honesty, like she is a much better actress. No offense to Rosita. I can't remember the name of the actress who plays Rosita, but she's not terrible, but she's not great. At the same time, I have to fault the writers because they haven't given her anything to do. But it just makes me feel bad for her, for her the actress. And also it kind of makes me wonder what they are doing with this character. Like now I kind of feel like she's just not even being used. And now she's also being replaced, like whatever. (laughs) Now she's also being replaced to some extent. And 
oh, I don't know about this whole Abraham, Sasha, love interest, love triangle, love whatever. I don't know what you call it. Like, can't call it a love triangle because I'm, I'm not even entirely sure if Sasha's interested in, in, in uh, Abraham. I think she's flattered, but I don't think she likes him. But if she does, then this is only going to cause problems between Rosita, Sasha, and Abraham. And that's not the kind of sort of like drama I want in my Walking Dead TV show. Yeah, I think we have seen Rosita in the, like, when the wolves were attacking, for example. I want to say she was around and doing stuff, but people weren't referencing her by name. And so, because, for me, at least, she's so, I so connected her visually with her hair in that particular style when we first as when we first met her and and some certain other visual cues of that character because she's gotten so little screen time that when she had her hair differently in this season I had a hard time picking her out from some of the Alexandria extras um, and also because there were other things happening in that episode like Carol being amazing that was taking all of my focus but um, yeah Rosita we, I think we'd be hard-pressed to say two or three things about Rosita that didn't involve the name Abraham. Right. But you see, the reason why I bring this up is because what I think makes The Walking Dead a huge success, like maybe at the start, The Walking Dead was a big success because it was ahead of its time. It was like the zombie show. The comic book was hugely popular. But for the people who haven't read the comic book, who jumped on board, who have been watching since day one, since the pilot, I think the majority of people watch the show because of the characters. Like, it's still a show that revolves around these characters. And so despite the fact that it's full of gore and zombies and death and action, I, at the end of the day, I think we always end up talking about the characters we love, like Daryl, like Carol, like at times Rick Grimes and Michelle and so on and so forth. And so I don't think that they can afford to waste characters because I think the characters are what makes the show good at times and great at times and it's 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 important for the success of the show moving forward you can't just have a show where all of the characters all of a sudden seem like irrelevant and i know rosita isn't like i know she's not like one of the central characters she's not at the top of the list like you know like she's not like rick grimes or daryl or not as popular as like norman Reedus or andrew lincoln but i don't know it kind of annoys me that specifically the female characters seem to be continuously underused apart from maybe carol i mean even michonne to some extent we've we've had our moments on the podcast where we've argued about even michonne being underused at times well and also that the solution to sasha doesn't have anything to do right now let's yeah. pair her up with abraham yeah and uh glenn's glenn's maybe dead so all of a sudden maggie's pregnant right called it like forever ago because that's the way they treat their female characters and also, let's say they're men, because, you know, Glenn was very defined by just Maggie and nothing else. And now Abraham, he gets a little bit more here, but still, um, it's hard to think of. I guess, you know, I, I withdraw that. I, 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 I stay, stick true to the Glenn thing, but not as much the Abraham thing. They, they're more interested in him as a person. Don't, don't you think that Maggie was a slightly more interesting before she and Glenn hooked up? Like, when she and Glenn hooked up, at first, they were adorable. But then all of a sudden, the focus really shifted away from her. Yeah, she hasn't had the focus. I mean, because she hasn't had the focus, that 
that has been, you know, it's been easy to just do this one thread. It's very universal. It's easy, easily uh, relatable. And so that's where they, the well they've gone back to doing something else, like making her more of a leader in the community, which I assume is where they're headed with her, especially with her background you know, on the farm and everything and, and Deanna's desire to plant crops. I'm assuming that's coming, but it, you know, you can only give the so much. I'm assuming that's coming before we start to get frustrated with the season. Um, Define, what what do you think about this? Um, all this conversation about Maggie being defined by Glenn is actually reminding me of the um, season three, season four, when the group was separated and Maggie looked only for Glenn and kind of forgot that, that she had a she sister. Had a sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is. Which to me still remains one of the more annoying and yet unintentionally hilarious parts of the show. It's just Maggie just leaving signs for Glenn all around. And no one even brought the fact that maybe Beth is still alive. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that, that would have been fine if they had a terrible relationship, but they were very close as sisters. The whole entire family was close. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, for me, it's... Uh, you know, the, the idea that Rosita is just a secondary character, not very well-developed, is... Not really is not really an excuse for the writers to not use her because first of all, using a character a using a character is how you how they end up becoming well developed and b uh, you could have said the same thing about Carol in season one and early season two and now look where she is so so really uh, you know I'm 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 with both of you in terms of the underutilization of Rosita. Um, and it, it's really a shame that the show has to go to that. And it's also a shame that the show feels the need to sort of push Abraham and Sasha, to, Sasha together as this sort of romantic pairing, which uh, I would I would much rather see the two of them just be, uh, you know, the, these two hardened individuals who are trying to figure out their purpose in this new world kind of thing. Sasha with her brother now gone and um, Abraham with his, uh, you know, with his sense of purpose of getting Eugene to DC now gone. I would much rather see the two of them try to figure it out and sort of uh, be the, be the thing that props each other up um, with tough love rather than see uh, some kind of romantic affair develop between the two. And it doesn't help that, I mean, your your mileage may vary, uh, guys, as well as listeners, but I was not feeling particularly strong chemistry between Cudlitz and Sneak with Martin Green. Uh, so that doesn't help either. No, it's true. It's true. Like, honestly, I can't see that couple working on screen, not with those two actors at all. And there uh, are other people that they could pair them with on the show right now that could be more interesting. or like, And maybe they'll get there, but... I mean, because again, these are talented actors. Maybe there's something the show knows that we don't know yet about, like the the behind the scenes and production of of watching them in rehearsal or interact uh, off screen. With the like, these two have a really good chemistry that we need to figure out how to use. But what we're seeing on screen, um, at least for me, that that wasn't coming across. But you know, there were a few things that I did really enjoy, aside from the just the philosophical conversation that I already mentioned. Uh, but with these two um, in their their corner of the episode, and one of them was I loved Abraham's response to um, uh, to Sasha saying, "Why do you always want to to kill these other these walkers?" And he, I believe it is uh, what is it? Loose ends make my ass itch, uh, and I I just love that um, at least there's somebody saying, yes, I get it. There's a walker there, right over there. And we think it seems like they're, you know, contained and it's not going to be a problem. But it, 
just let me go over and, and kill it. It's like, yes, there's this glass thing here, but what if something happens and then the glass breaks? So why won't, why don't we just close this loose end and make sure that this area is, actually is secure? Um, I know that they're playing into like a death wish with him with that answer, but I so agree with that philosophy. Wait, are, are you agreeing with Sasha or Abraham? I'm agreeing with Abraham. In terms of in terms of actually taking out the walker, not risking your life because anything can happen, the glass can break and the walker can get in? Yeah, well, because okay. Sasha's saying that it's fine. Don't risk your life by going to just kill it, just to kill it. And he's saying, uh, yeah, except I don't like the uncertainty of it there. So prob probably it's fine, but maybe I'll fall asleep and something will happen and it'll get out and it'll bite me. Sasha actually had a line, and I'm not entirely sure I understand it. She said, we all have choices. Without walkers and bullets and shit hitting the fan, you're accountable for them. Yeah. What does that mean? What, what is she saying? She's saying uh, when in society, people hold you to your choices. When society breaks down and you have walkers all over you, everybody's forced to make horrible choices, and so people don't judge the same way. Yeah, pretty much. Just, yeah, okay, but I'm just I'm just so confused. I'm I'm honestly for the first time ever watching The Walking Dead so confused as to what exactly is going on in that scene. Why is she letting the zombie quote unquote live? Cuz he's sealed into the room and can't can't get out. So don't even bother. It's still annoying. The guy's making noise. He's grunting. You want to try to go to sleep, right, lady? Like how are you going to sleep when you have the zombie next to you? Is it her I, way I, I think I think what Sasha's perspective is is that uh, every time they kill a zombie or a human, a little part of their humanity dies inside. And I think the idea that what she was telling Abraham, uh, similar to what Kate was saying, is that uh, when when the chips are down and they're they're fighting in the apocalypse, uh, then you know it doesn't matter if your humanity is is going or not because immediate survival is is the main draw. Um, but I think she, what she's trying to say at this point, and why she's resisting killing the zombies, is that um, you know, don't don't kill more than you have to, zombie or human. See, I don't think that's it at all. And I think this is why I do not like this episode because even a simple scene can't convey its message properly to viewers because all three of us walk out thinking different things and not because it's well written but because it's sloppy because i was like well maybe she just is sick and tired of fighting so she just wants to sit back and relax and not have to worry about fighting the walker i think she's just tired and fed up well i think she doesn't see a point to it she's like it's not gonna get out it doesn't matter just don't you know like don't chase after there are plenty of walkers that are gonna chase after us like on the street when he wants to go like a few like catch up to the other walker and kill him she's like why well no, that's different that's because if they kill the walker and say those dudes who were shooting at them walk by they're gonna know someone was just there and just killed that walker she said don't leave a trail that's different but now they're inside a house so if they kill that walker i mean it's no like it wouldn't make a difference because the walker's inside a house it's not like someone can see through the walls and if they could they could still see sasha and abraham inside the house so that whole scene did not make any sense I would I like that scene. I was fine with it, and I thought they conveyed it. But clearly, in our conversation, they may, I I think they conveyed what they're trying to to me, but clearly not. Like like you said, Ricky, we all came away with very different things in that scene, and I know that that is a complaint I've seen other places um, online with the episode in general, just not getting across in a clear enough way. I don't think we want our hands held, but 
in a clear enough way what all is going on. And I think I would also point to the 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 burned bodies and what all is going on with that group of people. Uh, I I you can figure out what's happening. I actually again I like that they don't hold our hands with it. But the problem I had is when we get to the the place where the the pixie cut. I thought I don't remember her name. Um, is looking at her friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess they're in glass or something, but the glass randomly breaks, and that like that was so contrived. I had no idea what was going on there, and it just was like, we need her to get bit now because we can't fit three people on your motorcycle when we steal it. Yeah, and I'm not even entirely sure who those two people were. Were they kids? Were they twins? Uh, I that, that scene did not work. Again, one more scene that didn't work for me in this episode. The thing is, is that there is one scene that I kind of sort of like, and it's when Abraham sees the zombie and it's stuck inside the um, the missile launcher. And he wants the missile launcher because, you know, he finds the the box of cigars and he finds ammunition and he wants the missile launcher. And so he freaks out and he rages out and he starts screaming into the zombie's face. And that was kind of like silly, but I kind of liked it. And then when he actually steps back and relaxes, he the, the zombie just sort of like falls apart. And therefore, he can now easily grab the missile launcher without having to worry about being bit. So it's kind of like, you know if Abraham would just sort of like relax and step back, things might actually start going right for him for, for a change. Um, but that's like, I don't know. Like that's like the one and only scene I think I like in this episode. And it's only because he discovers a box of cigars. And I just would love to see him smoking those cigars while, while mowing down a bunch of zombies with a machine gun. <laughs> well, and that also parallels with the scene we get earlier of, Daryl stubbornly dragging his his bike through the mud, which was rather heavy handed imagery as far as I'm concerned. Um, but it's that same idea of uh, of just the more you, the more he's trying, he's just digging himself in further and stumbling more and more. You know, if you just relax and the solution will present itself. In this case, it's the truck. The word heavy handed and or not subtle always comes up and I don't mind. I've said this week after week after week. I like that scene also, actually. What do you think, Depayan? Uh, about Daryl dragging his his bike specifically or just in about the show's imagery in general? Or about the cigars. Would you smoke them? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I think I would rather use them to trade with, um, you know, People in power always seem to like cigars. So, so if Abraham hangs on to them, that might be useful later on, uh, depending on whom they encounter. If they encounter another governor-esque figure, uh, I feel like he could be bought off with a couple of cigars pretty well. Uh, but I mean, oh, it's uh, I'm 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 trying to think. Like honestly, with with Daryl and and the bike, uh, on one hand, I, I understand about the heavy-handed imagery, but on the other hand, too. Um, without the bike, Daryl's sort of in even worse trouble. So, the for, for me, the for me, the heavy-handed imagery sort of clashes with the practicality of what Daryl is doing. Because if I were in his shoes, I would also be dragging uh, the bike. Because without the bike, traveling is going to be even worse. But but was Daryl ever really in danger in this episode? You uh, know, well, <laughs> not not. Well, I'm sure he was at some point. It's just really? that Daryl's resourceful enough that he was able to get out of it. 
Well, no, um, that's the without, thing. This is Daryl we're talking about. We know how resourceful he is. We know that he can easily outsmart these three people who are clearly not going to kill him. I don't even think they have what it takes to pull the trigger. I mean, he even asked the guy at one point in time, he's like, have you ever killed anyone? He's like, no. Um, so I never actually felt that he was in danger. Um, I, I, I think there's a sense of peril with the other people who show up and also at the beginning when they're getting shot at, I think there's more of a sense of danger there because of the, just with the the bullets and everything, there's the random chance that you'll get hit. But in the, when they're, he's wandering around the forest, I would agree with that. Well, he, Daryl did get shot in the shoulder. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah. Well then there we go. <laughs> yeah. He got shot. and he didn't even flinch to the point that I thought the bullet missed the first time around. We're 35 minutes in, and I'm, I'm struggling to, to figure out what I want to talk about here, which is another reason why I don't like this episode. Like, I, I honestly think this is, like, the weakest episode of the season. I mean, we could talk about who we think these people are, but that might go into spoiler territory. I don't know. Okay, I want to ask a question, then. Um, because of the way this was treated in the, the episode, um, it, it felt like this is keying into some element of comics, uh, the comics. So is the, that Patrick Fuel truck... Is that something from the comics? Okay, so here's the thing. Now, I have read all the comics, but I haven't read this specific chunk of it in quite a while. So my memory is a little vague, but these are not the wolves. Even if you've read the comic and or haven't read the comic, you can tell they're not the wolves because they don't look like the wolves. They don't dress like the wolves. They don't act like the wolves. They don't have the W on their forehead. So clearly, this is a different group of people. Yes, the truck is going to come into play in, in the next few few weeks. Um, we do hear a, a character's name. His name is Wade, and that's about it. Like, I, I really don't know what else I can say. Okay, yeah. So that is a specific, like that brand matters because the way that it was shot and the fact that they like held on the logo um, a few times. That just kind of, is one, you know, when you're watching something that's adapted from something else. Every now and again, there's a shot that you can tell is in there to be a reference, and you don't get it, but you know other people will. So I was wondering if it was one of those. The thing is, we just—I wouldn't even say we just—we haven't even really resolved the whole storyline with the wolves because they—they they just attacked Alexandria, and none of it feels resolved. And they are already introducing a new group of people. And that means we're going to get a new character coming along very soon. And we know this because the casting was announced. Uh, everybody knows about it, even if you watch The Talking Dead. And I just kind of feel like, well, what is this whole entire season about? I mean, those first two episodes were fantastic. And we get the flashback of Morgan, but that still takes place in the past. So this whole entire season, like, what exactly is the storyline here? It's about how a bunch of wolves walked in, killed half of the Alexandrias, which really is like 50 minutes of, of of real time for for these characters because each and every single week it, it it takes the exact same story but from a different vantage point following around a different group of people and i just don't think it's working at the end of the day it's no different than season two when everyone complained that they were walking around in circles trying to find sophia and the whole entire season was trying to find this one girl now it's like we're walking around in circles and i wouldn't even say we're walking around in circles it's like we're we've stopped dead in our tracks because now we're trying to figure out what happened to glenn yeah, these last two episodes have definitely been a downtick in the season for me. I would say until that point, it was incredibly strong and one of their their strongest stretches of episodes. Um, but yeah, I think we're starting to see the strain of it. I mean, it now feels pretty clear that the whole first half of the season is going to take place in roughly the same time frame, which is something that you called back in episode two of the season. Mm -hmm. Ricky. And, and, 
do you remember what I said on the first episode of our Walking Dead podcast this season? I was like, I hope this won't be a season in which starts off great and falls apart like every season. I mean, even the first season, if you think about this, it's only six episodes. The first episode is two hours long. So technically, the first episode is a good what? I mean, I'm bad at math here. <laughs> it's like one a third? <laughs> third of the first season. And after the pilot, it started to slowly fall apart. So like every single season, it starts off strong and it falls apart. And we always have like an interesting uh, mid-season finale and sometimes an interesting season finale. But it seems to struggle after four or five episodes, specifically five episodes. I think that this season, this half season so far, and and Depay, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. But I think it, the the story that they've shown us, and the way that they've sp- spent their time, I think. This six episodes could have been done pretty easily in five um, and uh, or maybe even even four. Um, And I also think they've mishandled some of the the way it's been shot and and, uh, edited. So when we end with this, you know, cliffhanger of, oh, no, how's Rick going to get out of the the RV? And the answer is he, he runs. Um, <laughs> the, the way they build that up, the way they built that up as the, you know, the even a bigger deal than Glenn um, did not, was not paid off. So when we get some of these cliffhangers, it's hard for me to invest in them maybe as much because I don't know if I should be concerned, like with this Glenn stuff, or if, if it's just going to be, oh, no, that, that thing, that that's not even a thing. Uh, how are you feeling about their, their pacing over the season, Depayan? Uh, well, first of all, just to jump back to Rick's running, he has got the best cardio of literally anyone pre- or post-apocalypse, considering just how long he ran to the RV and how long he ran from the RV to Alexandria. Has anyone mentioned his fantastic cardio? <laughs> well, you know, you get a little crossfit in the Zompocalypse, or you don't make it. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, clearly he watched Zombieland and took the advice to heart. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I mean, in terms of the pacing, I'm uh, I'm sort of with both of you. It it, it does feel like it's uh, it's a story that could have been told pretty quickly, and it 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 feels a lot like they're spinning their wheels um, in terms of just waiting for the next big event or the next big antagonist to show up, which is uh, a suspicion I had even before the news of the of the major casting came down the pipeline this week. Uh, with Alexandria, it feels like, uh, you know, it, it feels like they're trying to tell the story of how um, Alexandria still has their humanity and, and Rick and his group have lost it, but Rick and his group are in the right. Uh, but it's something that could have been told in, in I feel like, three episodes tops. And um, it, it, they've thrown a lot of, they've thrown a lot of secondary elements into, into the story that didn't really need to be there. Uh, you didn't need both the zombies and the wolves threatening Alexandria. Any one of them could have done the trick. Uh, you didn't need Daryl's little side excursion into these two people who are bad, but maybe good, but then no, they're bad again. Um, was not really necessary. Um, Abraham and Sasha's discussion, again, they didn't need to be outside of Alexandria for that to happen. Uh, a lot of the stuff, uh, you know, it, it feels like they're stretching it out. Uh, I'm, I'm 100% in agreement with that. It's padding, and I've talked about this before in the podcast, that the thing is, 
they're catching up with the comic book a little too quick, right? So if they were to go about doing this the way the comic book does it in the actual panels of the pages of the comic book, they would have already caught up because you got to remember a comic book is very short. There's like what, 20 pages in a comic book, maybe 30. Uh, and there's very little dialogue. So you could put like six comics into one episode if the TV show episode is 60 minutes long, right? And so I feel like they're catching up. And so we have these episodes where it's all basically padding and padding and padding. And and you're right, the pine. They could have ended this whole storyline within two episodes, maybe three tops, right? Um, but, you know, it's funny because I was on a Televerse, Kate, with you talking about Fear of the Walking Dead. And we never talked about that show on this show, but I will now. I thought the first season of Fear of the Walking Dead was actually really good. And a lot of people didn't like it. And it's because I love the progressive pacing of it like i just thought it was well paced i love the way we got introduced to a bunch of characters like so many characters there's probably more characters in the first season of the fear of the walking dead than there was in the first season of walking dead and we get to know so much about these characters and we get to see a lot of them grow and change and sometimes die in that first season um, but I think the difference between fear of the walking dead and the walking dead is fear of the walking dead isn't based on a comic book so they don't have to worry about getting to the next location and or introducing the next villain and or introducing the next group of people and or killing off this character. And I think that's the major problem with The Walking Dead. And it's, it's, it's one of those things you can't escape, right? Because it is, it is adapted from a comic book. Like the original source material is a comic book. So you're going to have to somewhat honor that original source material, but you can't be a slave to it. And when The Walking Dead has done things differently or if they've had their standalone episodes, though that is when The Walking Dead is at its best. I'm just wondering about, you know, thinking about what you're saying and, and the ways in which it has deviated, the ways in which um, it's branched out and sometimes successfully and sometimes less so um, found different stories to tell. Mm-hmm. That's just reminding me of Morgan and the wolf in the house. How many cliffhangers are there dangling right now? Because we have Glenn and we have that wolf in the house and we have whatever's introduced this week. How many others are there? Well, there's the wolf in the house. There's Glenn. There's um, who's talking to Daryl in the walkie talkie. Mm -hmm. There's I feel like there's one more. Yeah. Depine, are we missing one? Um, I, well, uh, I don't know if, if the, um, the whole Deanna, um, whether she'll turn on the, whether she'll leave Alexandria or not counts as, counts as a possible cliffhanger because it's, it sounded like they were hinting at that in the last episode, uh, in last week's episode that, that Deanna might actually just, uh, abandon Alexandria. Is, so that might, that might also possibly be a cliffhanger unless I'm the only one seeing that. Um, other than that, uh, no, not nothing really jumps to mind. So that probably means that either there is nothing else, or else um, whatever cliffhangers are left are so boring that they've been erased from our memory. Yeah, I don't know. I think back to episodes like the episode which focuses on uh, Daryl and Beth, and they visit a funeral home and they drink and get drunk and burn down the house, and she flips the bird. I love episodes like that. I love episodes like the Carol and Daryl Power Hour. You know, where it focuses on just these two characters hanging out at a women's shelter. Um, I wish we would have more of those episodes. Sorry, wasn't the Daryl Beth funeral home and Daryl Beth burning down the house two separate episodes? No, I think it was the same episode. That was the same episode. Oh, okay. um, 
Yeah, and I think they are actively trying to do that here to capture that here with Sasha and and uh, Abraham, and the, it just isn't quite as successful. Um, yeah, may- yeah, you know, you're right. With Sasha and Abraham, they are not so much with Daryl. Yeah, because the whole all the scenes that revolve around Daryl are setting up future events. But they do try with Sasha and Abraham. I just don't think it's a success because I don't buy into the chemistry between those two actors and or characters. And I just, I, I mean, I just didn't find it well written and or fun. Like I just thought mm-hmm. it was, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's awful. I just didn't think a whole entire episode should have revolved around those two characters and Daryl by himself, the lone man. Daryl does not work by himself as a lone man. Yeah, he's more, much more interesting in context with other members of the group. And if he wasn't always running into people who, like, kidnap him and tie him up, mm-hmm. like, he constantly is so that he can escape and be awesome because he's really good at that, um, then that I might be more uh, excited about the prospect of him running into people who aren't in the group. But that seems to just constantly happen uh, with him. I'm also thinking, of course, when he was on his way to Terminus, he ran into that other group of people as well, which also didn't go go very well for him. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like Rick always is running into people who uh, mean well and who are incompetent and get themselves killed. And the, the opposite is true with Daryl. Um, let me ask you this, Ricky. Would would your opinion of the of the episode have been different if those two people who, um, well, three then two people who, who Daryl met would have actually turned out to not steal his bike and actually come back with him? to meet Abraham and, and Sasha and gone to Alexandria with them? Okay, if I was in the writer's room, first of all, I would have eliminated the whole Sasha and Abraham stop at somebody's house to sleep for the night. I would have had that whole thing that she says to him, Kate, that you love so much, I would have written it while they're driving in their car and or something. I would not have had two or three more characters once again turn on Daryl when Daryl's just trying to do a good deed because they, they do it all the time. That's all they do. It's always the same freaking story being happening over and over. It would have been nice if Daryl, you know, met these two people and, I don't know, he helped them out and they went their own way and he went his own way. I don't know. I would have found – it's just – it's repetitive. It's not interesting. Like, it's like Kate says. We have this person that's introduced. Why? So she can die because she's she's stupid enough to step on glass while saying her goodbyes to her friends, not realizing that the glass is, of course, going to break and she's going to get bit. Like – Stuff like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that 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 is, yeah, that that reminds me again. That scene is absolutely inexcusable. Um, I understand in the early stages, people weren't familiar with um, with zombies and perhaps weren't sure how to how to handle them. Um, at this point in the game, there really shouldn't be anybody who's not just instinctively aware of zombies and their potential to break out of things at any given time. Uh, that being said, though, uh, those three individuals, they were looking for um, – w- they, they mentioned that they were looking for Patty. Is that is that what both of you heard as well? Yes. Uh, is it possible that they were looking for the truck that Daryl eventually uncovered and that's why they were focusing on the sign? Yeah, the paddy wagon? Yeah. yeah. So – so that that might be it. So so do you figure there's more significance to that truck than just being a means of transportation? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we're we're, we're going to they're going to quickly introduce a whole new group of people, a new baddie, a new villain. Um I mean, we already have mention of kneeling, so clearly there's some sort of religious cult at hand. 
we understand that I guess in this group of people you have to earn anything in life like food and water and i guess you're gonna have to do it in like terrible ways uh, because clearly these three people are running away from this group and they believe that they earned whatever it is that they stole which i guess is the insulin right uh which they need for this girl in order for her to survive but it, at the end of the day she ends up dying anyway so <laughs> so much for that uh which is surprising that she can actually survive so long in the zombie apocalypse uh, all three of them for that matter um because they just seem kind of useless that's that's another thing that's another problem with the show is it's it's one thing when you get to alexandria and you have these people who don't know how to fire a gun and who can't stab a zombie in the head because they haven't experienced it right because they've been closed off behind these enormous walls but when you meet three characters who've been running around in the wild for god knows how long and they somehow survive and they're presented as being that weak stupid like, it just doesn't make any sense. They would have died forever ago. Like, it's not like they're Alexandria's. Like, those no, characters it's... aren't interesting. You're not you're not writing interesting characters to the rest of yours. To, to, no one likes those characters. No one cares if they die. Because look how they're presented. They're presented right away as just bait. I'm very excited about the casting. And we've been talking about around this, and we continue to talk around it. I'm very excited about the casting that's been announced for that villain for next season because that person is going to be really, really good at as the very little I know about the character that they are playing. I can see that actor mm-hmm. nailing it now, in now, a you, you do, big, big way. You do remember we said the exact same thing about the governor, right? Um, I said that I liked that actor, and he could be good. A and they people. they bungled it. Um, um, yeah. Well, but... I I don't think I don't think any of the blame for the governor can be laid at the feet of David Morrissey. He did a great job with the character. It's the writers who fail the character himself. But Morrissey himself was was very captivating as the governor. Ah, uh, not for me, but because okay, I me. I, I thought he was really struggling with the accent uh, that. He he didn't he was for me he wasn't as good as he had. I've I've really enjoyed him many things but I would agree it's mostly for that the writing um, I think he was doing what they asked him to but what I uh, what I uh, the reason I bring this up though is because as excited as I am for that casting and what that could be um, I am I'm wary based on what we're hearing in this episode like I earned this and the thing about the kneeling like the the uh, the kneeling stuff feels like the governor. Uh, the I earned this stuff feels like that hospital building that Beth ended up at. Like, it feels like pieces of different parts of the show that didn't work, at least for me. So hopefully, if that's the case, they'll bring them together. It'll be the it'll be a fresh take, and it will finally click. But I'm a little leery about um another um leader of some sort. It feels like Wade is significant but not the top dog because the top dog doesn't go out for you know runs like this um so the the whole kneeling thing and like the implications of the terrible things that are going on where they are from um i'm a little i'm less interested in that than i am in watching if they can make the alexandrians stop being useless and raiding the pantry at the first sign of trouble um i'm more interested in in that still well it's because you don't want woodbury and terminus again which is pretty much the exact same thing just different characters different location but same sort of concept yeah it's been nice getting a little distance from that how do you guys feel about that yeah no i'm I'm in agreement it's uh it it do, it does become a little bit of um, rinse and repeat uh, kind of thing with 
um, villains coming over and taking what they want and, and so on. Um, one of the reasons the wolves were, were somewhat more appealing was that because they didn't seem to have a central leadership and the, their whole purpose seemed to be chaos rather than power. Yeah, uh, they don't but, have a central belief either. Yeah, exactly. Their their central belief is just uh, the the you know survival of the fittest by whatever twisted logic they have. Uh, introducing introducing the new villain the way they do here with with Wade and whoever his higher up is uh, does it it does feel a lot like they are going to retread that old ground which was already tired the first time around they did it. Now let me ask you a question before we finish off our podcast here. Do you think Glenn is dead? Do I think Glenn is dead? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think Glenn is dead. Do it's, you want uh, Glenn to be dead? I would like Glenn to be dead because uh, then it would actually give some degree of stakes to the show. It felt it has felt like for the last few seasons the show has, um, you know, with the exception of Tyrese perhaps, uh, the show has killed the individuals who, uh, you know, it, it's got a set of sort of bulletproof individuals of which Glenn is one. So having Glenn die would actually, um, you know, bring back the stakes of the show in a significant manner. Um, in my mind. So, but I don't think they are going to kill him though. Can I tell you a quick funny story before we close off the podcast? Sure. So I was at this Halloween house party. I was talking to this girl and she's like a huge fan of the walking dead. She's never read the comic books. Right. But she could not stop talking about the show. She loves it. And so uh, this was the episode right after uh, Rick's hand is wounded and there's a cliffhanger and he's left in the RV and the, the horde of zombies are surrounding him. That's the other cliffhanger. Right. Okay. So um, somebody was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, uh, for sure, he's going to have to cut out. Someone was like, you know, for sure, he's going to have to cut off his hand. And this girl, like, flipped out in front of everyone. She's like, are you crazy? Do you know how controversial that would be? There's no way a show would ever do that. Never, ever. That's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why would you cut off the hand of the protagonist? (laughs) It's like... And if anyone, <laughs> I'm sure some people know why I'm laughing, but I just thought that was hilarious. And that's why I kind of want to see the show do things like that, like really surprise us. You know, like it has to some degree, I guess. I mean, I still remember when um, a- a- Andrea died. I thought that was sort of like heartbreaking. But um, I guess I guess the thing is I want I want the, the show to surprise us again, especially those of us who have read the comic. Yeah, when it starts to feel, you know, it's it's what Depayan said and what we've definitely talked about in the podcast before. Uh, there, and, and actually, this is something that that Damon Lindelof said on Talking Dead after that that Glenn episode is that um, I think it was Lindelof that over the course of a series, the certain characters become bulletproof. And well, you can't kill them. Well, and you can't kill. And the and the longer a show goes, the more characters become basically too beloved or too, in the case of somebody like Daryl, um, too good at this stuff. Like Carol too, for us to believably accept them dying. And so that's why it's always on, on Walking Dead. It's always the hopeful characters who end up dying because they're the ones who are taking the risk because they're optimists. And so, therefore, we can accept the show things. We can accept them dying. Um, but but the, the more, the longer the show goes on, the more characters they're, they're going to have that they aren't, by the rules of television, <laughs> the social contract between the show and the viewers, they're not allowed to kill. So if they don't kill Glenn here, that really hampers their ability to, to do um, 
to do so in the future or really with any of their main bulletproof characters. I agree. You know, that's the best episode of The Talking Dead I've seen so far. Just having a showrunner like that on, who, by the way, um, is a showrunner of The Leftovers, which I think is like my favorite show right now. And Simon Howell actually uh, wrote this interesting comparison between The Walking Dead and The Leftovers not too long ago because he's writing reviews for us on The Leftovers. Um, but it's so interesting to hear someone like him say that about how television works and how they do to some degree have um, feel uh, that the fans have some sort of control over characters, especially now with the internet. Right. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a whole different time now. It, you couldn't like maybe to some degree, like 15, 20 years ago, maybe if a show was as popular as twin peaks, like maybe the fans could have some sort of, push or pull or say as to how a show should go or who should die who shouldn't die you know what i mean but like what was that show uh it was it dallas or or uh yeah with jr, JR. no no with, with no with bobby <laughs> where he came out of the shower i had the weirdest dream right you know and i'm pretty sure like there was no way they could have actually stuck with that happening like they, you know, the next season, they had to come back and just totally rewrite it and be like, "No, okay, that didn't actually happen. It was just a dream, right?" Yeah. Because I'm pretty they, sure they like, unkilled him. Right. The fans <laughs> yeah. probably went nuts. Yeah. Well, and, and there often this is not a good thing, but it also can be a very good thing. And I just always point to The Good Wife, which introduced a terrible character to be one of the like the secret husband of one of their mysterious. Uh, like kind of breakout side characters and it was horrible it was totally misjudged the mm -hmm. the the fan base uh, and the entire critical community as well said guys this is terrible and so they wrote him off at, it was going to be like a whole season long thing and they wrote him off after four episodes implying that she probably killed him or maybe she didn't but we don't care because he's gone now and poochie went back to his home planet do you, sometimes it's a good thing do you remember like way back Season two, I believe, of the Walking Dead podcast, I said something and I was like, you know, it'd be really cool if we had a character who popped up, say, like Morgan from the pilot, and uh, he pops up for one episode and we don't see him for like four seasons and he comes back. And that's exactly what they did. And it was like that. And we've said this so many times, like, why can't just like a character just sort of disappear and then not feeling the need to like have that character come back or show what happened to that character? I mean, what if? we just never find out if Glenn died or survived. I mean, as much as we bitch and complain about not knowing, I think that would actually be really cool. Um, my problem is that I just don't want them to constantly tease us or troll us. You know, like, for example, mm -hmm. the walkie-talkie voice at the end of the episode. Um, it would be great if we never know what happened to Glenn. I think that would be ballsy. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think they have the balls to do it. Yeah, but I, I agree. Well, uh, I do think, though, it's easy for us to start talking in circles about Glenn. So I'm going to bring us to the end of this episode. Do we have any final thoughts on this week's Walking Dead or what's come so far, what, what we are hoping to see moving forward? Depayan? I do kind of wish that uh, the two characters would have actually stayed um, because I think they would have brought some some good fresh blood into the series. Um, I, I enjoyed spending time with Daryl. I just... Uh, the the whole episode did feel a little bit inconsequential overall, um, and and I still and I still wish they would have kept uh, with Sasha and Abraham. They would have kept that platonic the way they did with Daryl and Beth. Uh, I, I feel like adding romantic feelings kind of maybe um, I don't want to say cheapens the emotion, but uh, 
it feels it feels like a it feels like it's too predictable and i'd rather they don't go down that route uh, but you know that being said though i did enjoy the episode while i was watching it so there's that <laughs> it's a season of romance <laughs> yeah. oh my god it's like even carl has a thing for enid and she has a boyfriend who's not happy with the fact that she yeah <laughs> and and she ran away oh true story the 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 uh, actress who plays Enid was also in the adult too film Too Many Cooks. Yes, a fact I just discovered completely out of the blue when rewatching Too Many Cooks. I love the the like delay release of that. You know, like of people realizing that because uh, like Simon and I, when she first showed up, we're like ah from Too Many Cooks, and uh, and and some people who are not crazy tv watchers the way that like who didn't do a whole segment on too many cooks like like we nearly did uh, on our podcast then um the uh the, you guys have you know more people have been sort of discovering that as they revisit too many cooks and it's been delightful it's been like a nice time released uh little extra you know dose of awesome um <laughs> do you have any final thoughts ricky um, yeah, we don't need every single character in a show to have some sort of like romance happening on the side. And I think, I think the reason why is because they don't really know what to do with some of these characters. I mean, again, we've talked about this, feel like a broken record here, but when the actual show and the comic book has no end game, what do you do with these characters? So they're just running away from zombies and crazy people. I guess you have to have some sort of romance, but it's just a little bit too much right now. It's too much. It's like, it's funny because that's like Rick and what's her face? Um, Jesse. Jesse. And it's like Carl and Enid and Enid and Jesse's older son. Ron. Ron. I'm impressed. I know that too. I mean, even that little boy seems to have a a thing. I I, I don't think even the actor who plays Ron knows that his character's name is Ron. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um... So yeah, let's hope for a better episode next week. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Fingers crossed. And again, I like this one more than you did, Rick, but I can't really, I cannot argue with that. Let's hope for a better episode next week. Uh, well, that wraps up our conversation this week here at the uh, Pop-Up Dick Walking Dead podcast. Uh, Depine, thank you so much for joining us once again. Where can our listeners find you and your work online? Um, you can find me in Pop Optic, mostly in the TV section, but also every so often in the blog section. Um I write under my name, and my Twitter handle is Dean Epe. And uh, Ricky, any other things we want to mention going on at uh, Sound on Cyber? Any other things we want to mention going on at Pop Optic? Um, not really. You can always check out my gaming podcast if you uh, like video games. I'm sure some of our listeners do. We actually did this amazing special on Resident Evil, which of course ties into zombies. It's called N Express, and um, the Sound Insight podcast is coming back. Yeah, we were resurrecting our flagship podcast, so look out for it in the near future. And of course, you can reach out to me on Twitter at The Televerse. The Televerse is the weekly TV podcast that I host over at Pop Optic, uh, and and talking about everything else and this week that means talking about uh, history's worst monster jason mann on uh project this season of project Greenlight. uh and i say that I, i'm talking about the character as presented in the in the the tv reality show i'm sure that's not what he actually is in real life but i'm sorry it's just too fun to enjoy him as the joffrey like villain he is presented so uh if you want to hear me talk about the rest of tv you can check out the televerse but that's going to wrap up this podcast for us this week next week we'll be back to talk about uh heads up which is you know season six episode seven written by channing powell and directed by david boyd but until then thank you once more to pine for coming on 
Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Pop Optic Walking Dead podcast. I was sitting in a crummy movie with my hands on my.